eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Because there's never an off day in the greatest sports city on earth. Here are the the biggest biggest stories and everything else you need to know from the new title town. It's Breaking Boston with Andy Hart and Nick Fitzy Stevens. Good morning, Boston sports fans, and how you be. Fitzy and Hart are back with the show previously known as Breaking Boston, that was known as Broken Boston, and now it's Boston Strikes Back. On a Wednesday night in early May, maybe it was the force in the air as we come to you early on the morning of May 4th, 2023. May the 4th be with you always. No, it's a, I'm, a, I'm not going to apologize. But I didn't Go say ahead. anything. Now, your head shaking for those who aren't watching this on YouTube or catching any of the Twitter videos. Ah, ah, ah. No, 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 no. You don't get to take at, take any away from or come at my Star Wars day today. This is my day. We turbo nerds, as my old pal Maddie used to call us, we young aspiring Jedi, the younglings, we have claimed this for ourselves. Um, and I find your lack of faith in it disturbing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boston strikes back on Wednesday night. The Celtics come out of the gates roaring and then just turn on the jets in the second half doing exactly what I believed as I was watching it. I was thinking of you, Andy, I was thinking now here he is, here they are once again, doing what he says is so infuriating about this team. When their back is against the wall, when they are criticized, when they start to feel pressure, they play up to their potential and capacity. And that actually plays back into the hands of what I always say is my biggest frustration with them, which is if you're capable of this, then why TF can't you play like it more often? And so we begin today's episode. Oh, and by the way, the Red Sox won last year. They were three and 16 against the Blue Jays. And now they're three and zero so far to start the season against the Blue Jays. Hence why Boston strikes back. But it's mostly about the Celtics here today on the latest breaking Boston. We begin today with. A question from uh, my pal John Zanis over at CLNS Media, who does a great Celtics recap show every night. John asks on the Twitter, so did Joe coach better tonight or did the players finally just play harder and do what he always wants them to do, as in play fast, move the ball, and shoot more threes? 
Question of the day is yours, Mr. Hart. Well, I, I think they played better. And I think you started with it, the infuriating, uh, remember Full House's theme? The Milkman, the Paperboy, and Evening TV? Mm -hmm. This was predictability. That's what this was. Predictability. They created their own motivation by sucking and admittedly saying they weren't all in in game one because Embiid was out. So they had a reason to kind of coast and believe in their own set. Oh, we'll just coast to victory. This will be easy. And despite shooting ridiculous numbers, they turned the ball over. That was a fatal flaw. We know that number 16. We're shooting for banner 18, but the key number here is number 16. If you get past 16 turnovers, you lose. They didn't. Uh, also, I would say last night, Fitzy, you know I love to check in NBA style with three-point shooting. So you look at the 76ers, 20%. Oh, they're going to have a tough game. Oh, you look at the Celtics, 40%. Oh, I could have told you this was going to be a blowout win for the Celtics when <laughs> you double up on the three-point shooting. It's just like some of these things are so formulaic you could just literally say okay give me these three things and i will tell you how that game played out now they were angry they should have been mm -hmm. they should have been embarrassed but i don't necessarily feel any better that they've learned their lesson you know after game one i thought they had no less chance of winning a title because i think they're super talented and last night was a little different in that tatum's in foul trouble tatum's not going to be an offensive force tatum's not going to be a key factor in the win but you're going to get Jalen Brown. You're going to get Malcolm Brogdon. And that right there is what we've talked about. You have a secondary superstar who can on any given night carry more than his fair share of the load, can carry a superstar share of the load. He did that. Mm -hmm. And then you have the secondary duo that you and I have talked so much about in White and Brogdon. Brogdon last night was your secondary star, right? So That's like, who we that's are. That's We are the Brogdon and White of WEI. Ooh, who's who? Can I, I, I think I, think I have to be, to be I, and I think I have to be white because of my crazy hair. Yeah. I mean, it's different. I would pay to see you in a <laughs> headband with like it pulled back, exposing <laughs> as much scalp as possible. And yeah, yeah, we should do that some show. Um, but I think I'm Brogdon. I think that's fair. I'm Brogdon. I'm really yeah. an all-star that yeah, doesn't we get, get called the off the bench all the time. Yeah. We have to save the team's bacon. Right. I know, should have we're, my we're, own show. I should be a starter, but I'm a sixth yep. man. Like, I, 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 I agree I, with I, that. I should, I, could, I should be a star as well. All the disrespect and the slander mm -hmm. I face in this town. Uh, I like it. Good good call. Yeah. But Thank you. The, the interesting thing here is the anger. So that was a post-game theme talking about the anger that they had, and they were furious and all that. Like, why? Because you sucked like it was you like what are yeah. you angry about other than they the fact brought it upon themselves right. thank right. you yes you're angry about the fact that you didn't live up to your own expectations i personally andy you know we talked in the last episode the, uh, about the the eea of andy hart coaching energy effort and attitude uh, as a coach you know i i'm obviously better and i get uh, I'm more effective with younger kids because I get to be big, silly, goofy. I've been described as like, oh, it's like he's one of them. He's just much taller when coaching six to eight year olds. And that works for me. Um, but my whole my whole principle, in addition to wanting to grow loves of game, love of game and bring people back to the sport is, um, you know, uh, crap. Now I lost my whole now I lost my whole point. Good job. Coach. I, I have a, I, exactly. Job, that's coach. another reason why I can't coach all the time because I because I, I lose my. I lose, I lose my point. My, oh, I'm a whole, sorry. I am a run the race against yourself guy. Like I, like the Celtics need to be a team that run the race against themselves on a nightly basis. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you are competing against another team. 
Yes, you need to score more points, try to rebound, out-hustle the other team. That's the whole point. It is a competitive sport amongst grown men. But if you just do your best, you don't worry about, like, like, they can throw a zone at you and throw you off your game after you shoot 77% in the first half. And you, But you have to be prepared for that as well. That's where coaching comes into play. We'll get to that in just a second. You need to just live up to your own potential. You don't have to worry about trying to, if your potential is 100 and on any given night you need to, of your, your ability is 100. And you like, tonight we're just going to bring 65%. That'll be good enough to beat the Pacers or the... Uh, the Nets or who or whomever uh, we, we you know we probably need to play 75 to 80 percent of our game to beat an Embiidless Sixers at home in game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals that's what we'll get we'll shoot well because we're carefree but we're not going to go max effort like guess what they were going to and, and an experienced coach and veteran leadership and mature men will know that they have to do that and so that's why when James Harden uh, got out of his weird Teletubby suit, which was a rejuvenation machine, and shot the lights out Monday night. They got punked. So now they come in, quote, angry. You shouldn't, yeah, you should be angry at yourselves. Don't you dare be angry at your fans and the media and anybody else that was disappointed in the game one effort. Yeah, I, um, you know, you bring it up, energy, effort, attitude. To me, that's the problem with this team is they don't always bring the energy, the effort, and the attitude. And you saw it post-game after game one, some finger-pointing, Jalen Brown talking about, well, I'm running up the court and I want to push it, but nobody's running with me, so I can't oh. go on four. Oh, uh, that's why they started out so – that's why they started sucked in the second half on defense. I wanted to run and no one else did. Right. Why? Because you have an eight-point lead? Yeah, we. Like, so I, <clears throat> I don't necessarily feel any better or worse after two games in this series um, than I did coming in. Like I have faith in their talent and I lack faith in their – energy, effort, and attitude on a nightly basis. Now, I th again, I think the best thing for them is for them to perceive that they're in a dogfight like they did last night. Now, it was also predictable in a sense that I believe the number is 14. I believe this is the 14th straight time that in a seven-game series in the NBA, the uh, home team lost game one, has now won game two, 14 straight times. So it's just the way it works in the NBA. You lose game one, you win game two. It's just back to predictability. So yeah. Just by the way, in. Yeah. glad no one told the Celtics players of that number, or maybe that streak would have been broken because they would have been like, oh, we can just show up. We're going to win. That's how it works in the NBA. Game two goes to the home team that lost game one. Um, so I, but the Tatum thing, not ideal. I, like if we want to look at some big picture issues, the postseason consistency of Jason Tatum as dumb man, the young all NBA centerpiece him, superstar. If you will, as Juju Smith Schuster called him on IG Monday night, him. Yeah. Well, him needs to be him all the time. Like every all I know that's a lot to ask, but you know, Spider Man, great power comes great responsibility. Like if you're mm -hmm. gonna be him, you gotta be him. And they are so lucky they have a second him in Brown that is mm -hmm. willing, able, available at all times to sort of slide into that role of leadership. But that's the one thing that, because I don't think you win the NBA title without Jason Tatum having a great series in the Eastern Conference Finals, having a great series in the NBA Finals. No, so, him can't turn into who on no. any given night. And, him and can't get into full trouble in the first quarter on some sloppy drives because yep. you're mad because you had a boss first half in game one, but then you disappeared in the second half and only took two shots, two shots in the fourth quarter of a game. And again, that's the thing. People have gotten on LeBron James, who saw 
as, as one radio show host likes to say in Boston on a frequent basis, sorry, like LeBron James has a much greater resume and calling card than Jason Tatum does. And oh, however people in Boston feel about Le- well, because LeBron gets all this slander in Boston. And I can understand people saying like, he's a dink. He, uh, dude, Duche rides to town once again. He, he complains too much. Yeah, all that. Yeah, but like respect some of the greatness and the accomplishment. The guy's champion. almost 40 and he's and still playing. Yeah, and a multi- in multiple cities. Like, in multiple cities. He goes yeah. places, championships follow. Exactly, three. And he's truly one of the five <laughs> greatest players of all time. Um, like, and also, by the way, I'll be right back uh, because the Lakers beat the Kings in game one of their series, which means that the Ki- uh, excuse me, the Warriors, Warriors, which means that the Warriors are an absolute lock tonight. So I'm going to drop the farm in the house. Correct. <laughs> on the Warriors in game two in that one. Um, but LeBron shows up for his games. Tatum, you're, there's no entitlement. Like there's no gift. There's no given. Like you can't complain about this. You can't you, LeBron. People complained about the fact that LeBron would oftentimes defer on the final shot. Wouldn't want to take the last shot. Sometimes didn't quote show up in the fourth quarter in big games. He didn't pull a complete no show or only shoot once or twice. I mean, just because he would pass up on the final shot sometimes. I don't get where the mercurial nature of Jason Tatum's fourth quarter and second half disappearing act in some of these big playoff games comes from because he's got all the marks and makings of an absolute star, the most complete game of anyone on the team. And yet last night, charging too hard early in the first half, four fouls early, and basically, thank God, Philadelphia got outmatched by the rest of the team because he was a non-factor. It's the same phrase we use for the team, energy, effort, and attitude. He has all the talent in the world. You are what your star is. And I laughed out loud, actually. I was bouncing around at halftime between the TNT and then the um, NBC Sports Boston had like a local halftime show. And I hear Brian Scalabrini say something to the effect, you know, the the 76ers, you know, I can tell you their mentality. They're really worried about how Tatum and Brown close out games. And I was like, why? They don't close out games. They blow out games. But when it's a dogfight, sometimes that's the biggest question. Can they close out games? How are they going to finish? Who's going to take the shots? Is Tatum going to step up? Is he not going to step up? So I could not disagree with that more. I think that's one of the fundamental issues on the court with this team is how it closes games with their star players. Um, And until Tatum, he's still young. I always like to take that little step back and say, because we've had these discussions on Mm -hmm. on a more macro level, that, you know, sometimes it takes till you're 30 before you learn how to win and really learn how to finish in the NBA. And like, that's, it's a, even though it's a young man's league in a way to win, it's an older man's league in terms of championships and rings. LeBron and Michael and a lot of them didn't, Steph didn't start winning until 25, 26, 28. I I get it as well. It's just that he got so good so quickly and was surrounded by such a star studded cast. Like they had all the components for years. He's got to finish. He's got to have the hardest part this year. Is that it's it, he's like that marathon runner that wants to, you know, break three hours or two hours like there's this big long term goal and you're chipping away. You're getting a minute closer, four minutes closer. Now you got to finish and get that PR, that personal best. What it, like and he last the year, cramping at mile twenty two. Right. But what you got to find, find a way, find yeah. a way like that's what exactly. the great ones do. And that's where he is. But um, this was a funny game to watch because it was. Celtics winning, Celtics controlling it. Oh, Celtics with a little blip right before halftime where I think Philly cut like 12 to 6, and you're like, "Uh Mm uh-oh, are we doing this again? And then all of a sudden, you're like, why is Muscala on the court? Wait, Cornette is playing? Pritchard's out? 
did I just accidentally stumble upon the third preseason game? Or are we still in the NBA playoffs here? And it was yeah, a 30 point game. 75 64. Oh, it's 95 64. Whoa, what happened? All I could think it's of a deluge was deluge of points with Hauser taking 30 footers. Anchorman. Oh, that really escalated. Like, it Ooh, just that, got out of escal- <laughs> that escalated like, quickly. I want to lay low for a while, Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, Tatum with the early foul trouble. Um, but the Celtics were not turning the ball over. In fact, I think Kevin Harlan said in the broadcast they didn't have their first unforced turnover until the second half. So yeah, again, their, their another great point of emphasis were the the offensive fouls by Tatum. Like for right. forever in the game, their only turnovers were Tatum's offensive Correct. fouls. Uh, the their plan to try to test Embiid and see if they could dominate in the paint like they did in Game One didn't work out so well. Embiid with five. That's right, count them five blocks in the first half as well. But then they changed the game, got hot shooting from the outside. Brogdon was a mad bomber and the Celtics win going away by, I believe, 33 points. The final score may not have even been that close. 121-87, a 34-point dub. Game three, Friday night uh, in Philadelphia. You know that crowd's going to be all charged up. I'm expecting a capital effort, if you will, to use a throwback phrase, a capital effort by the Celtics. Um, But Andy, the last thing I want to bring up real quick, the coach last night, uh, who obviously must have done a good job making some adjustments and getting through to his guys uh, after their lackluster effort to close out game one, uh, finishes his postgame press conference with a what Ian Steele from ABC6 described as a mic drop moment. Uh, after providing some answers to questions, he just looks around quickly to the crowd in a shorter presser and says, what? No one wants to ask about the adjustments we made from game one to game two and actually gets up as he's finishing the sentence and looks at the crowd as in like, what? And walks away like, did that? Did we? I get it. You may have a little bit of a point to prove, but yet at the same time, we why are we not as fans, media or a combination therein, God forbid, allowed to ask questions about that after your team loses a game they should have won? Uh, after that comment, I have little to no faith in Joe Missoula. That's a terrible time to have a mic drop moment. Game two at home in the second round of the NBA playoffs for a team that is expected to win the title, or at least projected to hopefully win the title. You're going to have a mic drop moment after you your team laid an egg a day earlier, two days mm-hmm. earlier. Like, just he is part of the emotional roller coaster of this team. He is part of the inability for them to be a mature, consistent basketball team. Joe Missoula is part of the problem. Now, maybe he'll be part of the solution moving forward, but you don't have a mic drop moment in game two of the second round of the playoffs. That was an idiotic thing to do. And beyond that, uh, you know how they call them uh, wags, wives mm-hmm. and girlfriends? Mm-hmm. I'm going to start calling him a WAF because he is weird as F. He is a weird dude. And I'm not saying that's terrible. Bill Belichick's a weird dude. He had a great run of success for multiple debt. Like weird can win. Oh, you don't, uh, Andy, you don't buy hostage. You don't buy what they actually, there's a brand of it called hostage tape, which is the tape you're supposed to, it's the basically the breathe right strip that you put over your mouth. So you don't breathe through your mouth and you breathe through your nose for greater sleep quality and oxygen intake every night. Yeah, no, he, um, he's a weird dude. And just the way he chooses to act, which I think is fake. I think he's a phony fraud. I've told you this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the Popovich Belichick interview things with like the one word answers. I think he's trying too hard to be something that he isn't. I don't think there's a genuine nature in the way he's coaching this team. And again, in the end, he's responsible for what we talked about earlier. The energy, the effort, the attitude, the the oh, yeah, Embiid's out. So we maybe we did let it seep into the way we played like, no, that's mm-hmm. on you or 
guys not running and hustling with Jalen Brown. That's on you, coach. you got to find a way to make that work. And certainly the biggest critique is defensively, the way they went from a great defensive basketball team a year ago to a terrible defensive basketball team this year. That's on him. So um, premature, premature mic drop, no question. Do not drop the mic in game two when you tie the series at one. No, no, no. No, no, don't. no, no. That'll come back to bite you right yep. where you just got up from, coach. Yep. Again, uh, and we'll end on this, I think, to your greater point, uh, and there are a lot of circling greater points, if you will, almost like drones on a ra- random drones <laughs> on a TV broadcast. Good Lord. What was that all about? Um, you know, you I get it. You want to take the broadcast next level TNT. OK, it wasn't a glowing puck on Fox hockey broadcasting in the 90s, but at the same time, little next level, bit of a distraction for the home audience. And I wonder what it looked like inside the garden as well. But. We talk about this team, especially Jason Tatum, needing to mature, I think. And this is to be expected in a lot of ways when you're thrown into the spotlight and all of a sudden you're the guy. You're not just one of the guys helping out. You are the guy in charge of a team with championship aspirations and high gambling odds to go back to, if not win the NBA Finals. You're going to have to learn on the fly. Maybe that's his entire coaching style and approach to the season. Joe Mazzulla, much like Jason Tatum, may have a final level of maturation that is needed to help the Celtics. Get to the promised land. All right, folks, there's your latest breaking Boston Celtics win by 34. Game three, Friday night, 730 in Philadelphia. We will be back tomorrow, of course, with whatever is breaking Boston. The latest news, all you need to know as a Boston sports super fan to get your day going. At FitzyGFY, at Jumbo Hart. Please rate, review, subscribe, share. Hell, if you even get a chance, be kind to Cooper Leonard on Twitter and tell him, good job, Coop, whatever the hell it is you do. We'll talk to you soon. Go Boston, and may the force be with you.